Well, hello there. <laughs> hey, how you doing? <laughs> doing swell. I can't, I can't, I can't do this. Swell, huh? Who you popping off to? <laughs> you watch who you're talking to here. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm <laughs> going to New York in about a month. I can't, like, ruin my rep there this much. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, we have to get into what we're talking about first before we get too much into this accents discussion. Uh, <laughs> uh, but we are today going to be talking about In Communist Movie Night, a movie musical by Disney from 1992 called Newsies. Not surprisingly, I think this is Disney's first guest spot in Communist Movie Night. I don't think they're going to be around here much. <laughs> You don't think so? Comrade Disney isn't pumping it out like they, you know, like you would think they would? Contrary to conservative belief, they are not. I mean, Ron DeSantis thinks they're bad, so they must <laughs> so therefore be So they must be, be on our right? side, obviously. Okay, yeah, we're going to talk about this movie. It's kind of weird. Let's get into it. So it is available on Disney Plus if you want to watch it there. We're going to be talking about the movie adaptation not the stage play which apparently came later which is kind of unusual and you can probably find it other places on the internet you know you're smart you're resourceful i believe in you yeah i mean there's there's so many things out there just keep <laughs> digging you know you'll find yeah it. let's let's get in the main thing of it yeah so this movie is about the newsboys strike of 1899 in new york city and it stars a very young Christian Bale. Like, he is a baby. Yeah. <laughs> it was so weird. It's funny because he is like, and historically accurate wise, he is like kind of older than the other kids too. Mm -hmm, like, mm -hmm. He's like super young, but like he's like with fucking, you know, 12 year olds, 10 year old, like, like, you know, kids, kids. But he's more like on the cusp sort of adolescent, you know? Yeah, he's more of a teen. And yeah, this is based on a true story. And we'll talk a little bit about like how much of this is real. Uh, we'll do that maybe towards the end. But for now, we'll give a quick synopsis and talk about, you know, how communist is this movie? Or let's just say how pro-labor is this movie? And we're not going to go that far probably today. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So we start off a beautiful morning in New York. You got a bunch of these boys waking up in a lodging house. My first note was they they would be getting up way earlier than this it was if they're selling like newspapers. Eleven a.m. Like it was. <laughs> yeah, it did not look that early. It was the height of the summer at the latest, like nine thirty. Like it was, <laughs> it was too illuminated. <laughs> it really was. I get it. I will say. I mean, I just read that like a lot of times these newsboys would sell the afternoon edition, so maybe they're just. <laughs> Mm. Getting an early start on the afternoon. They I had don't the know. grizzled veteran selling the morning edition, I guess. So usually morning editions were like subscription, I guess. Ah. And then the, yeah, so that's why you would say extra, extra, you know. Oh, shit. That is why you say that. Because it's like something happened that day that you need to know about. Mm-hmm. You know, versus just like, you're a boring ass Wall Street Journal listener, or <laughs> listener, uh, you know, reader. <laughs> that is weird to think about. They they had two newspapers. That's yeah, nuts. twice dailies. 
Um, well, not always. That's I mean, it was like an extra edition. Like, oh shit, something. Well, we're gonna. Uh, I do have a question for you though. Yeah, yeah. How did you know they were from New York in this opening scene? <laughs> was it their spot-on accents? They were. <laughs> they were. They were accents. Oh my god. Okay, let's go ahead and talk about. It. We can't not talk about it. These are okay. This movie is uniquely like. It's set up in a lot of ways to fail. Like, you're relying on a lot of child actors. No hate to all child actors, but when you have that many of them, you're going to have some duds. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) And then teaching a bunch of child actors, like, these complicated song and dance numbers and also throwing an accent on top of that is really challenging. (laughs) And I hated the accents. I think they got in the way of the songs. Yeah. Like, if you think about musicals, like, even ones where characters have really thick accents, like Tevia from Fiddler on the Roof. Like, they he manages to work sing. around it. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, it never becomes like, what the fuck did you use? Like, I had to turn on captions. And I like captions, so I would have done it anyway. But still. Yeah. <laughs> it was really distracting. <laughs> I agree. It was, there was too much of it, like, the fucking Beatles. They have an accent. But when you hear them sing or whatever, like you, you hear them sing and, and you're like, well, maybe this is just how people sing. There's a little bit of Britishism and stuff. A little but bit. Yeah. So many, you know, regular American recording artists or whatever also kind of do a little bit of Britishisms when they sing of like just dropping R's and stuff. Like it's, it's like kind of mm-hmm. common. It's not, but they're, they're, no one ever comes through with like a thick fucking accent <laughs> when they're belting it out. I mean, maybe country singers. Yeah, but that's also kind of a bit. I don't know. <laughs> it's yeah. This this was like nigh unintelligible. Like I missed some lines every now and then. Like, mm-hmm. sorry, what was that? <laughs> a little obstructive. Yes, definitely. They're doing these really nasally. I guess supposed to be kind of. I mean, not Brooklyn because they make a big deal about a, one character being from Brooklyn. Yeah, so. what are you doing, wise guy? You know, like. Uh, <laughs> You know, shoe shine sort of type of, you know, street urchin. Yes. Sort of thing. It's really annoying. So if you if you can't make it for that reason, I get it. <laughs> <laughs> so they sang their little song. They're like, we're fucking, you know, we're the newsboys. We sell the papers. It's cool. That's that's their song. <laughs> the papes. So we figure out, okay, this is a a crew of boys. They go up to buy their papers. And so they they have to buy papers to sell them. And they buy them for 50 cents for 100 papers, I believe. And whatever they don't sell, they eat, is what they say. And at first I was like, wait, are you like so hungry you're eating newspapers? That's pretty mean, man. Like you could just (laughs) let them throw them away, but you got to make them eat them. That's rude. Uh, and then I stupidly figured out, oh, you mean like you don't get paid back for the yeah. ones you don't sell, which <laughs> makes sense. What are you going to do with yesterday's news? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and we meet some of our main characters here. We meet Cowboy slash Jack Kelly slash a different name we'll find out later, who's played by uh, Christian Bale. And he's kind of the, the cool older kid that knows what's up. And we meet, we gotta have a new kid, gotta have an audience surrogate. So we have two new kids who are brothers. We have David and his younger brother, was it Les? I never knew the kitty's name, no, no idea. I know, he's just the cute one. They're they're new to this gig, and so, you know, right away, you know, he fucks up. He accuses the guy 
running the uh, the selling of the papers to the boys. Uh, a guy named Weisel, which is uncomfortably referred to as Weasel, and I'm like, okay, it's a little a little weird, uh, possibly anti-Semitic there, depending on. You know, there there is the possibility for that. I didn't really read that into well, it. I mean, maybe he's just regular German or something, but I don't know. I Yeah, I just sort of saw it as like, yeah, he did have an immigrant name like, you know, probably most of them did. And he was, you know, a company guy because he was their intermediary between them and the company. So he was, and he does relish in the role of like, oh, like, you know. Oh, no, later he does suck. Like, don't you, get me you know? wrong. <laughs> so that's how I read it. But yeah, it could be. Yeah, you know, a a Central European, stereotypically Jewish type of uh, illusion, I guess. Yeah, I wasn't sure. I wrote it down just in case. Uh, so he's the guy that sells in the papers, and he shorts uh, David, the new kid. He gives him, like, 19 instead of 20. And, you know, he confronts him, and Cowboy swoops in to save the day, and he's also like, you're going to want to order more than that. And so he makes a deal with them of like, hey, you're obviously new. I'm like the best at this. Let's sell together. I'll show you the ropes. And we split it 50-50 or something like that. I think they ended up doing some negotiation there on the price. But they end up working together. Yeah, it does look like it's a German and Jewish, like Askenashic Jewish name. So um, Mm, it definitely could have been some sort of a play. Could have been. Could have been. Uh, given that it was just a regular Disney musical in the nineties, uh, that's where its origins come from. It's probably not trying to do that, but it could be as an unconscious thing though. You yeah. know? Yeah. I mean, Disney does some shit. <laughs> Let's be real. Yeah. Cowboy shows them the ropes, shows them how to exaggerate headlines to sell papers uh, the current headline is all about the trolley strike, which is interesting. Well, the whole time, though, what's his name? Fresh-faced boy. Dave. David, right? David. Yeah, Dave or David. He's, uh, I mean, he's so, he's not only the audience, but he's like the liberal. He's a square. Yeah, he he's the, he's the you know, the liberal square pretty much throughout. He's like, oh, no, come on, don't buy me papers. I don't want charity from anybody, you know, like. <laughs> He's kind of making my own way sort of thing. And I mean, he, he mm-hmm. like starts out from the get go, even when he's showing him the ropes and, and showing him like, oh, this is where we go uh, to watch the fights and stuff like that. He's like, oh, come on. This is this is a little unsavory. You know, everything is just he's such a nerd about. Yeah, he's horrified by the line. Like, my father told me not to lie. I'm like, you sound yeah. real fun to hang out with. Right. Because he's like just trying to sell <laughs> fucking papers. And then he turns to the thing and he's like. Well, that's not exactly what the headline says. That's fake like, news. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to live, okay? Uh, a couple of notes. I, I forgot this. At the very, very top of the movie, we have boys waking up in the arms of a statue of Horace Greeley, which, like, what a harsh wake up call that would be. <laughs> <laughs> Just imagine that face looking down at you. <laughs> And this is where we are introduced to our villain about this time, which I was really surprised that they went ahead and did it. But the villain is Joseph Pulitzer. Yeah, the one. <laughs> How do you think his descendants felt? Uh, they're fine. I mean, they're still handing out the Pulitzer Prize. They didn't blink an eye for <laughs> yeah. this. You know? I like it's cool. It's cool. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't always nice. <laughs> uh, so he's up there in this big office plotting. He's like, man, I'm not... 
making enough money. I'm in big competition with uh, who's the other guy? Fucking Hurst. Hurst. That's William, it. William Randolph, Randolph Hurst. Hurst. You supply the pictures. I'll supply the war. <laughs> cool guy. Definitely not a problem. No, no, no. He thought the Iraq war was cool before it was cool before it was uncool. <laughs> so he's like, man, I'm really, I'm really struggling to beat this guy competition wise. I got to think of ideas to make more money. And he, he even he at one point says like, I'm spending all my profit on competition. I'm like, I don't think that's true. Look at your very nice house. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's but, really strange. Uh, on the other hand, it is somewhat true of that. Like, so the industrialists of that age and everything, they do get, huge amounts of their money from profits from going concerns, but they're also by that point speculating. I mean, by, by that point they're That's all true. in the market and they have so many positions in the market that they are able to soak huge losses. This is part of the you know, magic of monopolies and stuff. People say capitalist defenders will say, well, monopolies are not efficient and everyone will get out of them, you know, because competing firms will undercut them and whatever. Right. But not really, because the people that run the monopolies have enough sustenance to outlast people who will come in and try to undercut them and stuff. And they'll just be like, oh, that's fine. That's what Walmart does and things like that. Is they'll just undersell people. And they'll say, that's, that's okay for now. Like, we're going to lose, but we're going to gain market share and we're eventually going to beat you. And we can survive off of all of our other going business concerns. And one of the reasons why, you know, trusts and... Um, conglomerates and, and various things like that are so nefarious is because that's just food that can sustain these things while they cancerously grow over everything. <laughs> they have infinite money to use yeah. and lose. And They're so, <laughs> it, and it's the same with like, you know, big tech companies do this today. Like you hear all the time about how long it takes for a company to actually become profitable. Mm -hmm. It's because they have the money to burn. Yeah. They get the venture capital and they just roll with it. It's like uh, someone playing the Sims and just, Typing Rosebud over and over. <laughs> totally. We got our bad guy set up. He's like, how am I ever going to make money? <laughs> he is. He does like look out the window and rub his hands together. Basically, <laughs> and he's like, I want to get more money. Like, he's <laughs> yes, it's very cartoonish. <laughs> <laughs> uh, who is this? This is Robert Duvall, uh, like a, a, a fucking good actor. I mean, oh, he's a great actor. He's in Secondhand Lions, which is one of my favorite movies. He's in everything. Oh my yeah. gosh, he's great. The Godfather, obviously. Mm, yeah. So I mean, hell of a guy. <laughs> he's just here with like this chin beard. Like, <laughs> I, I want to make more money. <laughs> kind of a country accent, which I didn't think Pulitzer had, but okay. No, no, I think he was going for like a kind of Germanish accent. Oh, okay. Every now and then, my ear would flip, and I would hear German, and I was like, did I mishear that? Like, I'd hear more of a European kind of flair, so I guess that makes sense. Yeah, uh, uh, Hungarian. He was born in Mako in the Kingdom of Hungary, among several Jewish families there. So, yeah, Jewish Hungarians. Interesting. Okay, that's, so, like, my ear does this sometimes, like, I have a, I do this with songs, where, like, a song will stop, start playing, and I hear it in the wrong key mm, until yeah. I remember what song it is. Uh -huh. Okay, you're like the only other person that has done. Like I, I describe this to everyone. And they're like, I don't know what the fuck you're talking about. No, it's so but, creepy. Like the song <laughs> sucks and is bad and like yeah, it's kind of like, eerie while you're hearing it that way. 
Yes, it's very, it's just a weird perception difference. And it apparently it happens with accents too, because I think because I know this guy as the guy from Secondhand Lions, where he's country, mm. I kept hearing country. And then at one point for like just one scene, I heard like German and I was like, what? What did you change? The cadence only <laughs> to me came through a few times of like, this is, mm-hmm. he's clearly being a foreigner in some way. Like it's not it, it's it's a little bit stilted and how is still kind of yeah is okay. all I got maybe it's when he got mad maybe that's when it comes out more and that's I, I mean, think that's when I noticed that's it. an accent thing too right is that, that is an accent get... thing I can tell you <laughs> so hey okay. you, you guys we probably don't even tell you we get worked up on the show and then you're like oh <laughs> that's where they're from okay <laughs> I know I am a little bit proud that most people can't tell right away but. Get a couple drinks in me or get me pissed off enough, you'll figure it out. I had a kid today <laughs> tell me that sounded like from the like I was from up north. Oh, wow. This kid that... They are married to one. Well, but this kid talks like she's from down in Alabama. I mean, she talks like this, you know, and everything. And that sound like from the north. I was like, no, you know, in the north, they talk different up there, huh? Oh, yeah. Totally different world. <laughs> I'm you know, so bad at that. I can't even pretend to do it. <laughs> I don't know where to put all the whys that apparently exist in this accent. The wild, yeah. Wild. Basically, wherever it doesn't get completely in the way of the word. <laughs> and sometimes even then, apparently. Yeah. Uh, according to the language coach <laughs> they got. Or lack thereof, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what they did. Maybe they just like watched a bunch of like Bugs Bunny and just went nuts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's intense. As Cowboy is taking the boys out on uh, their first sales trip, he's teaching Les how to sell papers by being, you know, he's a really cute little kid. So he's acting, you know, sick to play that up, mm-hmm. like, oh, cough pathetically and be like, oh, can I have some more, For some reason, he gets to be British. So that's fun. <laughs> Normally, he, so- he sounds normal, except for when he's No, when he's but bit, his right? sick act. Yeah. Yeah. And they realize that some creepy guy is is giving Jack the eyes, and he calls Jack Kelly. He calls him Sullivan mm. instead. Dun, 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 and so dun. Kelly's like, "Oh yeah, I escaped from this place called the Refuge. It's like kid jail. I went there for stealing food, and and you know he, he claims that he was taken away. He got out by by jumping on a carriage uh, driven by Teddy Roosevelt." Yeah. <laughs> By this point, would have just been the governor of New York, but he's still <laughs> pretty crazy. At this point, I'm like, okay. I, I mean, you lie about everything, so we'll fucking see. Yeah, big if true. Mm-hmm. So they have a little chase scene because this this old guy is after him. Him and the cops, yeah. And the <laughs> and the kid thinks it's because he sipped some beer. Oh, that's right. I forgot like, about that. Here, have some beer. And he's like, oh, you drank that? And it's like, well, you probably shouldn't have. And then the cops come after and like, oh, this for some beer? <laughs> oh, that's yeah, cute. I forgot. That kid is, like, really cute. It's, yeah. Like, that kid is commercial cute. <laughs> so they run away. They, they end up hiding out in the, like, kind of downstairs area of this uh, vaudeville singer. Meta is her name. Meta Lark or something mm-hmm. like that. Meta Larkson. Metalark's son, that's it. She's just this nice lady. And, you know, of course, the boys all have a crush on her because she's pretty. Yeah, played by Anne Margaret. She looked familiar, too. What is she in? Uh, she's in 
Oh, lots of stuff. Bye bye, Birdie from the sixties. Newsies, obviously. Grumpy old man, maybe. I don't know any of these. These are all older things. Yeah, I mean, she's she was older. She was older. Okay. <laughs> she looked great in the movie. Yeah. At some point, Jack says, "Oh, my parents are out west, and I'm I'm waiting for them to get land, and I'll go out and meet him." And like, I just want to say, I called it immediately. I was like, "This kid does not have parents." Yeah. I suspected as much. It was sort. Of, I thought it was a little telegraphed, but yeah, I was. I was like, mm, "That's suspect." Mm-hmm. I think he's mm-hmm. just trying to fit in. I was like, "Oh yeah, yeah." I I also have parents. They're just they're not here right now. Just <laughs> totally have parents who love me and can take care of me. It's great. And so they leave this uh, vaudeville singer's place, and there is a big fire. Uh, the trolley strike is heating up. Uh. So yeah, that. Trolley strike was a real thing, um, in addition to the Newsboys strike of 1899, which kind of kicked off in July, August of that year. It was also in July in the New York Times edition of 1899. They say, trolley strike in Brooklyn. All the rapid transit cars stopped this morning. Order went into effect at 2.15. A thousand policemen sent from Manhattan to preserve order. Employees' demands were again rejected by President (laughs) Rossiter, and the men took action quickly. Prezoi Voida, eh? Uh, it's, yeah, it goes on to kind of describe, you know, the roads that are affected and how everything shut down. The police are holding a conference to kind of respond to it sort of thing. One sec- subsection of the article is titled Boatloads of Police. Boatloads of policemen <laughs> crossed the East River during the night, making for the Brooklyn shore. Around and, and 32 policemen uh, left the Church Street Station about 1240 this morning. They marched through Broadway and Park Road to the bridge entrance where they stood in waiting. So, uh, kind of like they were showing in the in the film anyway, of just this huge, you know, uh, in in that in that sense maybe for dramatization, you know, the conflagration, the, the actual fire, and disaster and stuff. But like there was definitely conflict happening here. For sure, man. Boatloads of police, probably my least favorite unit of police. Right. Yeah. That if that doesn't get the <laughs> the inner Old Testament God in you wanting to flood the earth, then nothing will. <laughs> unless that's a funeral barge not interested it's like the the viking or the lord of the rings or the game of thrones thing <laughs> yeah, where they like yeah. set them on fire and send them over a waterfall that kind of boatload i can get <laughs> that's, behind that's what we should do with boatloads of police <laughs> for sure put them out on boats light <laughs> <Like> that arrow <laughs> yeah so we see the trolley strike in action here they're uh, according to Jack, beating up people who didn't join the union. They're soaking them, which is their weird slang for beating people up. I love up. it. We need to soak them <laughs> more. You know, that's, it's good. It's just super soaker, you know, like, that's totally <laughs> innocent. fun. Yeah. Refreshing. And I think it's telling, and this is kind of the first, I think, intimation we have of this, of Jack being like, yeah, they fucking deserve it, basically. And mm-hmm. Dave being like, Whoa, oh my gosh. Whoa, people are getting hurt here. Maybe we ought to scram, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah, Dave is our lib, and it's really shown when we go to his house. Little guys live in the bourgeois lifestyle. The petite bourgeois. Well, not really. He's, he's not a, like a shop owner. but No, still. but I, I do think he has a class difference of that he is dabbling in the newsboy lifestyle, he knows there's an exit for him coming up or he expects it. Right. Um, he doesn't think this is his real station in life. 
So in, in, you know, most charitable reading, maybe he is someone who's got other career prospects who's just like slumming it in this one, right? He's, he's like, he's there for a bit, but that's not his actual class interest, right? Yeah. I mean, I noticed right away. I'm like, oh, you guys like have an apartment and you have two parents and you have like food and like, yeah, there's a line about like, oh, we got to add more water to the soup and everything. But like way more secure than it seems like the other boys that are working there. Like, it seems like they live at the fucking distribution center. Right. We opened with a scene of them sleeping on a statue. Like, yeah. <laughs> so we know that like, they don't all like have a place to stay. Yeah. The, the opening song is them getting ready and like, they're all sharing this bathroom and you know, there's two boys to a bunk sometimes. Mm-hmm. Like it's really crowded conditions. Yeah. And this kid is over here going home to a regular ass bed. Right. There's two steps, right? Cause you know, you have him up in his, in his whole ass bed that, yeah, he does share the bedroom with the siblings, but mm-hmm. then you go down to the boarding room where they're all sharing with all these boys. And then you go down further to the streets where those are also newsies that they're working with. That are no don't even have that, you know. So that's very true. They're all of the working class, but he's definitely in a different material condition. Yes, yes. So we learned that the reason he is even working this job is his father. He's got a little sling for his arm. He was fired for his broken arm. Uh, there was no union to protect him. They even say that. Good yeah, job. they spell it out and. The father's not really trying to come across as a radical or anything, and they, they but they just like kind of matter of factly say like, yeah, this could have been, you know, if we had a union or something to stick up for him, right? The dad says that, right? Like, I think so. or, or is that Jack? I think it was the dad. Okay, because one thing I wanted to mention about the dad, he's kind of naive because he's like, well, once it's better, I'll go back and ask for my job back. Like, they'll have to listen to me, and I'm like, they literally don't. You just said they, you don't have a union, so they really don't have to listen to you. Yeah, maybe it was Jack then. But yeah, he does. <laughs> he he has this notion of it'll be okay. Um, people are good. He's almost sort of the holdover from the old artisan society of like people look out for each other. This is like personal connections and kind of almost a hearkening back to like feudal Lord obligation type of things of like people have to look after the people they're in charge of Lord Grantham style, you know? (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Yeah. I got those vibes too of, he has this weird faith in his job in that way. I mean, I don't know, maybe I'm reading too much into it because later it's said that, you know, he's very proud of what David is doing. Mm -hmm. So maybe he comes around or maybe he was had more sympathies there than we thought. Uh, but according to him, he's like, hey, this is just a temporary thing. You're going to go back to school after I get better. Like, don't even worry about it. Yeah, I think, I don't know. I, I, I think I could square the two. Like, I don't think he has to be a rabid pro-capitalist or anything, you know? No, you know. no, I don't think so. There's room for him in between when he says this and then when events unfold in the future to where he could have been disappointed in his position. I don't think the film does a very good job of, but you know. Yeah. There's time. Doesn't follow up. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Now time for a classic Disney staple, which is the sad orphan song. Oh, I was going to say that classic Disney staple of he finds the girl. He's like, oh, say girl. Oh, yeah. That was my note, too. In that scene of like, he's totally going to hit on that sister. Yep. Like, yeah. As soon as he's <laughs> already, he's like, whoa, dang. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
And, you know, David is like, you want to, you know, you can stay the night if you want. You don't have to go back there. And he's like, no, it's cool. I'm good. And then he goes off and sings his emo song about Santa Fe. Santa Fe. Nobody has ever loved Santa Fe more than this guy, I think. This guy fucking loves Santa Fe. <laughs> but there are some good lyrics in here. You know, he, he talks about his current plight. And he's saying, you know, I'm you're breaking your back for someone else's sake. Things mm-hmm. like that. So, like, he's very class aware. Mm-hmm. Gotta gotta be honest. When they started singing, I started. I was on my phone. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> <He asked> hat. <laughs> Santa Fe. <laughs> Sorry, it's such a bad song. Yeah, I mean, he's got a line here. Uh, Why should you only take what you're given? That's pretty good. But yeah, he's basically just like, I am over this life. Like, as much as he seems like he's super into the newsy lifestyle, he's actually pretty fucking tired he wants to get out yeah he doesn't see a future for himself there right basically i mean especially too i think it's more impactful when you realize like he's like one of the older boys like i think he's realizing like what is this what i'm gonna do for the rest of my life yeah like he he's kind of up against the deadline there i'm like that's not going to continue to work people are going to be like who the hell are you (laughs) (laughs) don't you want a career yeah uh since you mentioned it, I will go ahead and say the music in this movie is not very good. So I don't blame you. Okay. I didn't know if I was just uncultured or what, but I was like, <laughs> I couldn't really find a banger in this musical. There was, there's not one that's been stuck in my head. That's usually what gets me on a new musical really quickly. It's like, oh, I love that one. That one's a fucking jam. And pretty soon I've got the soundtrack memorized. No bangers. Yeah. <laughs> One, you know, obviously the accents get in the way of the singing. We talked about that. But there's also a ton of, like, dance numbers, which I think were just, like, they're cool, but, like, took too long. And it's just like, what are we doing here? I I just don't think it was very well put together. So that may be a fault of the movie in the sense that I think that the musical itself was supposed to have done well in terms of, like, Tonys and shit. Yeah, the musical won, like, eight Tonys. They probably (laughs) cut out some of the talking and i mean like you know they probably focused more Mm -hmm. on all the transitions and make you know improving the songs probably but still yeah i mean that was one of my notes too is i am super curious i might go back and watch the stage production to see if it's better because that's what i felt watching this was like i want to cut this fat i want to get this down to just focusing on the music and not letting it get you know caught up in these bad accents and caught up in these Dance numbers in a movie, which don't feel very impactful, but I bet would feel more impactful in, like, the setting of a stage. Yeah. Even, like, the set design. I was like, yeah, I get it. It's cool. Like, it looks authentic. But I don't care. Like, I would, I would am way more interested in how they would interpret those sets for the purposes of the musical. Because they do a lot of, like, scene jumping around. And I'm like, oh, how would they even tackle that here? Like, would they have to rewrite things or rearrange things? Like, I don't know. I'm just kind of a nerd. So that's what I was thinking. No, of. I think the musical would look cooler because at times the movie set seemed like it was on a play stage in that nothing else was happening besides these kids like dancing around. There are no, like there were very few other people. So it was like so pre-staged feel like feel to it i agree it it felt like a i mean a disney version of old timey it felt like you know you're in like it's a small world or something (laughs) like it was very clearly a studio lot and like 
you know, they every now and then would zoom out when they're on the rooftops and you're like, this is definitely a painted background you're showing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the roofs and everything. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And I'm like, if you're, ah, I, I want to see the musical now. Maybe, maybe we shouldn't have done this till I saw the <laughs> musical version. Maybe it's better. I mean, eight tonies, nothing to sneeze at. True. Anyway, Santa Fe, <laughs> we cut to the baddies and <laughs> there's, this is fantastic. You got this. Is he the butler or is he just like an underling in general? Who? He's kind of th- this guy. He's wearing like a cravat kind of situation. Oh, his two friends that, no, I think I picture these guys as industrialists, like partners mm. of some sort. Okay, that guy just gave off butler vibes for One some One guy reason. has, like, really mutton chops, and then the other guy's a little bit more uh, polished, effect, whatever you want to call him. But. So that guy, um, they're, they're over there, they're brainstorming ways to increase profits, <laughs> and the butler's like, what if we increase the price? And he's like, I can't increase the price of the newspapers, I'll go broke. And he's like, not the price of the newspapers for the customer, but the price <laughs> that the newsies buy. Wait, I don't know why he sounds like that. Was to it me. him or was it the other guy that first said, "What if we cut the wages of top management and stuff?" And they were like, "That's a terrible idea." No, so the butler goes on to say, "Yeah, he's like, or we could cut the salaries at the top." And immediately Pulitzer jumps on the first idea, like, "Okay, let's think this through." Yeah, he's like, "That <laughs> sucks. We're not doing that." <laughs> Obviously, we're not doing that. That was stupid. What you just said. Ugh. <laughs> And then he's like, cool, I'm going to call up the other newspapers and also the mayor and have a little get together. And I'm watching this as Kyle and he's not really paying attention. He's mostly on his phone. He just looks up. He's like, is this guy just going to do some collusion? I'm like, yeah, that's what this guy's going to (laughs) do. Just going to just just why not? It's fine. Some cash, you know, quick corruption. No big deal. Yeah. So Americans like to kind of silo this off. And say, well, this was the Gilded Age. Mm, doesn't happen anymore. Right. This that was that was bad, you know. Businessmen were running around and doing whatever they wanted to do. The robber barons. Yeah, they were able to just kind of do this and the government didn't do anything and everything was bad. And then, you know, eventually we had the government do some stuff and so things were better. You know? <laughs> and they stopped being bad. Yeah, it's it's okay now. You know, and then there was a little, a brief interim time, and then, whoa, what do you know? We had, the, like, the Great Depression where they gambled everything away. Like, you know, it's just <laughs> weird. Strange how that happens. I don't know. There's, there's cycles that people are very easily, for, you know, very easily forget. And <laughs> it's one of those things that's just kind of swept on the rug. It's like, oh, yeah, it's kind of the classic vaudevillain type uh evil twirling mustache of let's let's Mm -hmm. just get the competition on board you know sort of thing yeah i wonder if that's why disney felt it was okay to make a movie like this because the gilded age is kind of seen in our history as such a cartoonishly evil example of capitalism like they could say well look this guy was clearly bad without having to say look the system is right because yeah he's operating under a time of what child labor like we don't have that anymore (laughs) at least in the the heady days of the 90s we didn't um (laughs) in the imperial core anyway uh and you know in the imperial core of iowa now we do but uh Mm -hmm. back then at least we didn't Yeah, I mean, so spoilies for uh, my book report coming up on surveillance capitalism. 
they make a great comparison to the robber baron age and what happens with what happened with big tech they basically were like there's no laws here so i'm just gonna do whatever the fuck i want and they make a comparison between that and also kind of like marx's idea of primitive accumulation of like you can also just go to countries where there aren't laws about that or you know undeveloped countries and just like exploit the fuck out of everybody so like that that continues to happen in different places and in different times yeah 100 percent. okay so they raise the price boyos go up the next day to buy their papes and weasel slash weasel says ah it costs more now raised it by 10 cents I'm like, oh, what do you mean? How am I supposed to put food on the table? Come on. That's a 10% increase in my costs, you know, all that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you do have some kids. And, you know, some of the kids are in pretty rough conditions. There's a kid who's like, I'm barely making yeah. enough to eat as it <laughs> is. Kids There's like, this means I'm patch. sleeping on the streets again, you know? Yeah, yeah. So they are living on the edge already, and this is the last straw, and it does not take long before the word strike gets tossed around. I'm trying to remember, how does it kind of catch fire at first? Because I thought that at some point, basically people poo-poo it. They're like... Yes, okay. <laughs> it's interesting. I don't remember like who exactly says what, but some I want to say it's Jack that's like, we'll just go on strike. And some... I want to say Dave, because he's always the wet blanket. Mm-hmm. He's like, we don't have a union. And oh, yeah, yeah. Jack says, if we go on strike, then, then we we're are a union. union. Hell yeah. I love that. This is the old logic. <laughs> this is what I've been saying since, you know, before we got into any of the theory on the show is the only illegal strike is a broken strike. Yes. Yes. You have to do the damn thing. And then they're going to recognize you because, I mean... How does it happen? How does it happen even if you go back into the annals of world history? How do we have governments? It's because somebody fought someone for... Someone said so. Yeah, somebody fought <laughs> for this nation to be a thing, and someone else lost a fucking war and had to say, fine, you're a thing, right? But mm-hmm. initially they were like, no, you're some bitch-ass you know, collection of people who <laughs> should be under our control, but you're not, right? And you can, you know, yeah, the American Revolution kind of sucked a lot of in a lot of ways and was reactionary and so but like you know that's one example or like any sort of national revolution is another example of people not really literally having accepted thing when they started with and they fought for and made it and forced people to recognize that thing i mean that that's what we're talking about with a union it's illegal till it's not yeah you make it happen you know, and there's there's mm-hmm. that's the good side version of it. And there's obviously dark side versions of that, right? If the Civil War had gone a different way, you'd have a dark side <laughs> version where, you know, the South would have made legal slavery forever sort of thing, you know. But I don't know. There, that That's a sometimes fortunate, sometimes unfortunate aspect of human history is that a lot of times it comes down to force making things happen one way or the other. Yeah, and I think that's something this movie kind of plays with in interesting ways, which we'll get to. Yeah, it. I, I think it at times tries to say, ew, but ultimately yeah, kind of says it's... like, it's, look how cool this is. Yeah, ultimately it ends up kind of saying, like, yeah, that's, that's how it happens. <laughs> yeah, it's really interesting how they try to strike that balance. Like, oh, let, let's put a pin in that, but we're mm-hmm. coming back to it. Okay, so they're like, let's do it. And I heard down this hilarious fucking quote from David. That they're like starting up their their song about how they're going to do a union. Not a good song again. Um, <laughs> but David says, they have to respect our rights. And I'm like, 
you don't. They don't is the thing. Yeah. <laughs> like, again, liberal guy obsessed with rights. That's when he's doing the Moses and Aaron routine where Jack's getting the words from from David and be like, hey, what should I tell him? You know, and then goes up and tells him sort of thing. I'm so frustrated by that as a plot line. That Jack's not good at speaking or something? Yeah, like, it's never proven. Like, Jack clearly, he was already the leader of this group of boys. Like, it's very much like enlightened, you know, intellectual comes down to hang out with the poors and teaches them about nonviolence. And it's like... He had the ideas and Jack was like a like a rough around the edges rube and when it, in reality like i don't know i think jack had the ideas too <laughs> jack i mean first of all did have the ideas and that like david wasn't thinking about like, what would be he would be like hey let's let's do a protest let's go to city council let's make sure that they <laughs> yeah. have a meeting with management to voice our concerns i mean like this is the best he could have done Jack A has the idea, B gets people to rally behind it, and then C, like, inspires them to actually take... I mean, like, David is just there. He's got the whole package. I I don't... They keep saying that. Like, they say it a couple times. I'm like, what words did he give you that were that good? Because, homie, I listened to the songs. They were not that inspirational. Like, (laughs) not great. (laughs) They have to respect our rights. What are you talking about? You have to fight for your rights, idiot. Yeah. That's the whole point of why you're doing this. (laughs) So I think that that was a little bit weak. It's pretty weak. Just sort of an insert of like liberal respectability, I think, in it. Of like, here's how regular people could be drawn in and say like, oh, this is actually a good thing, a positive thing. Maybe, maybe. Oh, I found another note. (laughs) This is when I was hating on this song. I think maybe part of what is not working for me here is the sound mixing. Like the instrumentals are really loud. Hmm. Okay. I wonder if that's fixed in the stage production. Just It just sounds really like fakey tinny music that's like it's just corny how loud it is okay sorry that was just a quick sound no note. i didn't analyze it that deeply i guess <laughs> okay so they decide okay we're gonna do this go tell all the other boroughs of new york we're doing this which at what this point i was like wait what borough are y'all in i never figured that out so historically they were long island yeah well, but yeah they don't mention it in the show but yeah i think that's correct Okay, because they never made it clear in the movie, yeah. Well, they don't they don't send anyone to Long Island, so. So I guess you could deduction yeah. that. There are other boroughs they didn't say. What did they not say? They didn't say, like, Washington Heights. They didn't say Harlem, did they? They sent someone to Harlem, I thought. Oh, okay. I don't know about uh, Heights, but I don't know I'm trying to think of where that. else. I only know smatterings. <laughs> anyway. Meanwhile, Jack and Les are going in to confront Pulitzer, and they immediately get kicked out, like, of course, because they're just, like, some street rats. (laughs) And that's when we meet Brian Denton, a reporter for The Sun, who is like, this seems cool. Like, what are y'all about? (laughs) (laughs) There's not much here in the scene. It really is just like, hey, like, I think this could be a news. And they're like, whoa, we could be a news. He's like, if you try. Who is this guy? Um... Is he a real guy? No, no, I mean... Oh, you mean the actor? The actor. I've seen him in stuff before. Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman. Sleepless in Seattle. Independence Day. Okay, he's... he's oh. That's where I remember him from. He's, okay. Is he the president in that? I don't know. It's been so... I got really scared. I watched Independence Day when I was a little too young, and I got super scared. <laughs> yeah, he's president. He's, he's president. <laughs> Thomas J. Whitmore. Yeah. 
Okay, that's where I mainly know him from. I'm sure he's in other <laughs> shit, but that's where he's like burned into 90s memories sort of thing. All right. Anyway, Mr. Denton asks the children basically, what the fuck are you, <laughs> what's, what's going on, you know? <laughs> yes, and so they give him the scoop, and I mean, that's really all we get right now. He's just like, Keep it up, boys. <laughs> He's, yeah, he is oddly supportive in the sense that he could just publish a story that's like, ha, 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 the newsboys are on strike. He, he, like. I look at these rascals. Yeah. And just sort of do a human interest piece on how goofy they are and immature or whatever. <laughs> or you know? rowdy or whatever. Yeah. You know, like, look yeah. at the, the slums rising up. Maybe someone ought to send a few more police this way sort of thing. No, I mean, like in the in different hands, you know, he is sort of a, a liberal reformer in that way. He is. He's sympathetic to their cause. So the boys are splitting up to tackle the different areas in New York and no one wants to go to Brooklyn. And at first I thought this was just like a sick burn on Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever been to Brooklyn because it's a pain in the ass to get there. So <laughs> I, I assumed it was that kind of joke of like, who wants to go all the way there? <laughs> well, I've been to Brooklyn, <laughs> let me tell you, huh? <laughs> clearly clearly that's where you got that great authentic yes, accent that's me with the authentic accents <laughs> but they end up going over there jack kelly goes and he takes one of the kids i think racetrack is his name which is just a great name racetrack he was he was one of the literal kids that was actually like a a full-on like he uh, represented somebody he was he was he was a, a real person yeah, yeah. Uh, I think he takes the black kid, though, which I don't remember his name. Boots, 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 boots. Boots, that's it. Okay. Boots. Great, he's, great He's name. like our age. <laughs> he's just like a grown-ass man. Is he just a man now? IMDb. Oh, my God. R.V. Lowe Jr. Oh, my God. He's, he's just a one man. one year younger than you. No, no, oh sorry. I'm sorry. That was the 1992. Sorry. he's He was born in 1978. He's 45 say, years old. yeah. I don't think that's right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So he takes one of the kids. I don't remember which one, but one of these kids who are now old men, <laughs> <laughs> they go to Brooklyn to talk to Spot Conlon, which is also a cool name. Yeah. And he's like, you know, got a rep. He's so cool. He's so tough. He like does a lot of slingshot work. <laughs> <laughs> and I like him though, because he immediately asks the tough question. He says, what are you going to do? When a goon comes at you with a club. Yeah. It is the question that everyone asks themselves before getting into a labor dispute, basically, is, is the union or are the unions I'm joining with, are they going to have my back? Like, am I going to be alone or am I going to have solidarity? Like, that's the question. And they explain to him, like, you're like kind of the deciding factor here. Like a lot of the other boroughs don't want to sign on without him because he's like this kind of influential kid. He's adorable, by the way. Oh, my gosh. He's so cute. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He's got a cane. Oh, yeah. He does have like a walking stick. It's funny. But yeah, I, I think it's interesting like I, I i think again this is why i'm like pissed that fucking dave gets all the credit when like jack's the one who's the organizer like he knows who to talk to he knows who's important he knows who the players are like he knows this city and who who's important and how to get their influence like he's an organizer like yeah. born and raised yeah yeah no i mean he knows where to go who to talk to and 
I mean, David just kind of tags along with all this stuff, you know. And yeah, he gets all the credit. I don't get it. Like, oh, oh, hey, let's be peaceful. Maybe they just they had to keep making him like the main character. They're like, well, we can't just introduce a new kid and then forget about him. <laughs> you know where you might know Gabriel Damon. You know where you might know him from. Where he was the voice of Littlefoot from <gasps> Man Before Time. Littlefoot. Now, Littlefoot, you know, wasn't doing his Brooklyn thing, you know, but... (laughs) Little known fact about Littlefoot, he was from Brooklyn. The prehistoric Brooklyn. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, that's cute. I call my pets sometimes, like, Little Fart instead of Littlefoot. (laughs) But I I say it, like, with the same accent, like, Little Fart. (laughs) Anyway. So they don't get him on board yet. He's like, I don't fucking know if you guys are serious. Yeah, he's like, maybe, basically. Yeah. And they go back to the neighborhood, and sure enough, the boys are already getting cold feet. They're like, well, the spot's not on board. Like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. What's the point? And so Dave sings some bullshit song. It really just should have been the international. Like, that would have been a banger here. It's it, You can tell it's meant to be some sort of, like... I'm standing up for my rights, you know, <laughs> kind of Was thing. Is this the, the world would know one, or...? Uh, I think Seize the so. day one or Seize the day that's it Seize, Yeah one of them had that kind of vibe of like uh, Can you hear the dun, 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 Yes dun, dun, dun. it was it very was, much Trying to be that Yeah And it wasn't it wasn't that good men, that, that thing, you know? <laughs> Sort of in that vein it wasn't It wasn't up to that tier even But I don't think so Like I don't know what the deal is The songs just weren't hitting it <laughs> I but like they had raised fists and they were it was like evoking that image. You could tell what they're going for, which is this is supposed to be a powerful anthem here, and it gets the mm-hmm. boys back on board. Yeah. So they're on strike next day, and they they show up to the distribution center, and sure enough, some scabs show up. Boo. Lowest form of life ever spawned in nature's lab. Who said that? Anne Feeney in her song Scabs. Oh, okay, great. It's, it's a good song. Yeah. I mean, um, it's a good rhyme. Yeah. <laughs> Scabs, lowest form of life form ever spawned in nature's lab. They've got no brains. They've got no hearts. They're tearing our communities apart. Damn. And that's what these boys think. David tries to stop. He goes, hold on, wait. And then Jack's like, let's get him. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, I do kind of like how he just, he, he just kind of jumps out there like, Come on, guys, let's not do violence. And everybody's like, fuck off. Fuck that. We're going to do some <laughs> violence. <laughs> they just run past him. <laughs> it's kind of cool. They tip over a news truck. And this actually happened. They did tip over uh, a vehicle in real life. Pretty badass all around. And, uh, of course, when things are cool and fun, the cops have to show up to ruin it. Boo. And the cops show up. Uh, there's a boy in the cast who is named Crutchy, which is kind of <laughs> weird. He gets left behind. So that was less of an ableist name in the, like, yeah, <laughs> in it's, the 1890s. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> there are worse things they could have called him, I guess. He was fine with it, it seemed like. Yeah, he, like, he seemed to own it. And uh, these, these kids that are introduced in the beginning is very clearly the bad guys because they're wearing bowler hats and the music changes when you see oh, them. Yeah. The Delancey uh, brothers. Oh, the Delanceys. Yeah, there you go. They drag him off to the refuge, which is that corrupt children's home that Jack escaped from. 
Pulitzer's over there like, fuck this strike. He he says, use whatever means necessary to break the strike. So he's full on like, let's go beat up some children. Yeah, this is fine. Sick the hounds on them. Do whatever you need to do. <laughs> Sorry, my next note is, oh, God, more dancing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Not a fan. Uh, huh? uh, there's a lot of dance numbers. And at one point, this is later, but they have a tap scene, but don't fucking spring for tap shoes. And I'm like, why even have the taps? I know it's because you're like, you would think, well, why are they wearing tap shoes? It's a fucking musical. Break rules. Like, at yeah. least add them in, like, on dub. Yeah. Ugh. The bare minimum. Come on. Anyway, that made me really mad. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. And so the next day, the same shit is going down, right? They're like, okay, day two, beating up scabs, let's do it. (laughs) And they show up and um, there's a bunch of adult dudes with like chains and clubs who are just like menacingly walking towards them. I'm like, cool, time to beat up some children, I guess. (laughs) And and fucking Brian Denton, bless his heart, turns to ask a cop, are you going to stop them? (laughs) Then, Yeah. Fucking dumbass. dumbass. And and then it's later revealed that he was totally taking the piss here because he was a fucking war correspondent. Like, my brother in Christ, you have seen literal war crimes go down. And And you're you're surprised? Yeah, you're still asking, like, I'm sorry, good sir. Are you going to, (laughs) you know, batter down children with your club, (laughs) your truncheon? He's yeah, acting he like, is. <laughs> he's acting like he just fell off the turnip truck. Like, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> like, you've 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 seen you know this the brutality of man. <laughs> like, yeah, come on. you hung out with Tr in Cuba. You've seen the shit. <laughs> it's ridiculous. <sighs> it is. So basically, it's a trap. Um, the cops are planning on arresting everyone there, and the scab breakers are, you know, the strike breakers are going to beat everybody up. It's going to be nasty. But it's a trap set up by the Delancey brothers. But who swoops in but Spock Conlon? Hell yeah. And they have a fight. And it's like very cool and clearly is meant to be seen as cool, which is what was like interesting to me. And, you know, it's a kid level fight of like it's slingshots and like slapstick and pratfalls and that kind of stuff of like oh i i gotcha kind of stuff like Like no one this guy gets like punched and he's like punched out but then he just like springs back because his friends like throw him back you know like yeah the total total cartoon shit you know like there's a nut shot like (laughs) you know it's it's very goofy kind of stuff but at the same time i'm like you're showing people fighting the police and we are against the police like that's pretty impressive like this movie could not be made today no, I mean, it, I don't know. There's there's such a culture of thin blue line and all this nonsense mm-hmm. about like oh, the, the the lumping of first responders because we need to make sure that people sympathize as much with the people who are putting out the fire <laughs> at their house as the person who comes and shoots their dog in an emergency situation. Right. You know, um, you, you got to make sure to kind of share the sympathy there. Clearly, the same act. Yeah, I agree with you. You just basically could not. <laughs> There's no way. There's no fucking way. I mean, you have people complaining about true crime podcasts because they make the police look inept. And it's like, maybe the police are inept, guys. <laughs> and I think that's hilarious, too, because it's like, come on, like anybody who's dealt with the police. And I don't really mean in a criminal investigatory capacity. I, I just really any mean interaction in just traffic stops and 
public interactions of any sort in the event that you've tried to report something is stolen or anything along these lines. Oh, there's no way. It's just... That's all. You don't need a big demystification there. Like, I feel like if I asked a cop for directions, they would still fuck it up. Yeah. Or they would be needlessly aggressive. Where are you going? Yeah, where where are you coming from? (laughs) Yeah. Are you new in town? (laughs) You had any drinks tonight? Uh, cops suck that's the main cops suck is that's the main story of it we don't need to elaborate <laughs> any further they're balls so they fight off the cops and get away and uh they end up making the front page of the sun denton writes a great story about them with a photo and you know they all get super psyched uh i didn't i didn't hate the song king of new york that was kind of a fun song uh, still not a banger, but it's it's probably the is it the best one? I think it's the best one. It's still not great, but it's good. <laughs> you know, it's good. <laughs> it's not bad. Not king of New York. Like it, that's kind of cool. Yeah, it's all right. It's all right. But the picture in the paper has consequences because old creepo Snyder, who runs the refuge, the uh, the children's boarding home, it recognizes him as as the escapee that he is. And so he goes to Pulitzer. Is it Pulitzer or Pulitzer? I would say Pulitzer because it's the Probably Pulitzer, Pulitzer Prize. Probably Pulitzer, the Pulitzer Prize. Goes to that rich fucker and is like, listen, I can get this guy arrested. Uh, they basically like have a meeting with Pulitzer and the mayor and they're like, you want to break this strike, right? Like, you can't do it legally. So if the leader of the strike is a criminal, that'd be pretty cool, right? <laughs> <laughs> no big deal. Just, yeah. just a little cooperation there. Which I also thought was weird that they felt they needed a precedent. I'm like, so what was yesterday? Just like illegal strike breaking? Like, it seems like y'all are okay with that. No, it was the literal police doing it. There was, I mean, I think I think this was Disney trying to interpose and say, I don't know if it was originally a Disney thing, but the Hollywood Enterprise trying to interpose and say, yeah, it was a little bit of a rash action, but like, now this this is like um how a gilded age company would kind of handle this of like trying to do some sort of corrupt underhanded thing as opposed to just nakedly going out there and being like blam here we are we fucking crush some kid skulls you know yeah i guess they felt like they had to kind of defend law and order in the sense of like look they're using a legal loophole to get them but in that way, it's still sort of an indictment of law and order. Of, oh, it's still very bad because literally right after that, Pulitzer's like, come on, mayor, come have a come join my card game with the other newspaper guys and talk about the upcoming election. So, like, yeah, yeah clearly evil shit is going on. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think they're really trying to give this period a pass of any sort. I mean, I think really they're trying to heap it on. Maybe it's more of a heaping it on in terms of, like, how in the city was with it. Like, oh, we're going to bring you into this and say, yeah, you're also a part. Like, everybody was corrupt as fuck during this time. And luckily, we don't have any more of this corruption, so it's all fine now. <laughs> it's all fine, guys. We did it. We self-regulated. But back in the, yeah, back in the <laughs> terrible Gilded Age days, you know, you had, like, Supreme Court justices being completely bought off. You had political parties being completely bought off. You that had, doesn't happen anymore. We fixed yeah, it. It's all solved. So. I'm so glad we're reporting from our utopia. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was a weird distinction to make of like, oh, we don't have legal cause to break up this strike. And I'm like, so you just like, what, what, 
you just you're, did that. You could just do it government, again. Bitch, like, yeah, like the mayor could just tell you to do it. You would do it. I don't get it. Anyway, the boys have a rally at the theater where Meadow works, and fucking David's like, "We're gonna be nonviolent," and mm-hmm. uh, they're not sure. They're like, "What the fuck are you talking about?" But fucking Jack backs him up. He just immediately just submits to David because he thinks that's, David is smart. That's where he's doing the Moses and Aaron thing again, right? Mm-hmm. He's just like, you're my voice. All right, let's do it. Yeah, and yeah. You're, he's you're like, the, you you're the brains the of the operation. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, why? Why would you think that this guy who has been at work one day <laughs> before you went on strike is qualified to lead this movement? Well, the subversive reading of this is that they don't succeed while under this not, this um while under this this paradigm of Jack the leader listens to the intellectual David. Mm-hmm. They actually don't ever succeed in, under the, under this framework. That's true. It takes Jack like getting fucked up and coming back for them to succeed. It doesn't only take that. It takes David abandoning his old bourgeois ties and saying, "I'm not going to do nonviolent." It takes whenever they actually get fucking knuckled under and him actually like f- saying fuck yeah, I'm, I'm gonna fucking fight mm-hmm. and, and they're like actually that's true he's fucking doing battle that's when they succeed so that's a really good point. it's it's really up into it's it's really the whole time that david the bourgeois was something to lose the not fully class trader guy yeah it's a smaller scale that that instance of violence so maybe that's why i didn't notice it but you're right. It is a, an act of violence that turns his turns the corner for them. Yeah. So I mean, I, I think that really the whole time that we're kind of under this this respectability nonviolent sort of spell of let's listen to David. He's got the wise counsel. He's educated. He knows more. They're limited. You know, they they yeah. can do a little bit, but even. So even in the rally concept, they still don't have, they haven't spread out to a general strike. They haven't hit the right, the child laborers in the rest of the city. So it's still just them and it's still limited in capacity because kind of, I think of the limitations of that worldview of let's just appeal to the good nature of these industrialists and hopefully they will come around to us. It's really not until they lean into fear when they see success. Yeah. It's the fear. I mean, not necessarily of violence, but it's a fear of a larger strike that gets, yeah. gets mm-hmm. done. Okay. Okay. I'll, I'll buy that. <laughs> so the cops raid the theater. They surround them. The boys try to help Jack escape, but they are pretty much beaten. Uh, sure enough, he does get caught. <laughs> it's really funny. They cut to a, a courtroom scene and the judge asks this, just group of boys if they have counsel and they're like what's counsel he's mm-hmm. like cool i'm just gonna charge you all five dollars <laughs> <laughs> luckily uh denton shows up and pays the fines uh but jack doesn't get so lucky uh he is called to the front of the court and all of his dirty laundry's out we find out mom is dead dad is in prison called it and he is going to be sentenced very harshly and he gets taken away to the refuge again, right? So much for Santa Fe. Yeah. Denton, meanwhile, is 
so so they go out to lunch you know den's like hey i just freed you all isn't that cool and <laughs> i'm so good look at me look how good i am by the way none of the newsprint papers printed this story today uh and also i am resigning i am getting reassigned to be a war correspondent again isn't that cool you're like oh what? all the kids are like fuck you yeah <laughs> and what are you what even a- fucking doing what a fucking dick. And he give, he gives them the story he was going to publish before it got killed. And fucking David, like, crumples it up. He's just like, fuck off. I don't want to hear it. Yeah. And a good reaction. I mean. Yeah. This guy is. Come on. Uh, it's it's uh, 1899. I mean, like, you can go to Daniel DeLeon's paper. You can go to, like, any socialist <laughs> organization paper. That's true. There's other papers. Yeah, I mean, you can't go to CPUSA yet, but, like, still, there's options. I mean, there's, <laughs> They're there's, cooking. There's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, he does the classic, like, oh, gotta have a job, you know? Ha-ha. <laughs> and it's like, dude, you just betrayed a bunch of children. Right, yeah. But I gotta have a job, so it's fine. Ugh, it's gross. Meanwhile, Pulitzer's offering Jack a deal. He says, look, sonny boy. You can get a clean record and money to go wherever you want, including that fucking Santa Fe thing you're always talking about. And you just work for me and, you know, it just consider it all under the bridge. It's fine, right? And Jack's at first like, you can't buy me off. Fuck you. And he's like, oh, uh, cool friends you got there, like Dave. Like, you know, implies threats to his friends. It'd so. be a shame if they were all in jail. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. Uh, He's saying, I I can throw all those other kids in this terrible boy's home. Afterwards, the boys try to rescue Jack from this meeting, uh, and he tells them to leave. And they're really pissed. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Because he kind of runs off for, he kind of runs off a little bit with with fucking Dave, just for a bit. But then he, like, basically doubles back, I guess. He's like, fucking go. Like, see you later. Yeah, yeah. They, They have a friend break up. He's like, just leave, whatever. And they're very confused until the next day they see Jack in a suit as a scab. Dun, dun, dun. All right. This is a little bit of a allusion to the real Jack. Mm, okay. So the real Jack is um, modeled after a fellow called Kid Blink, um, who was a real That's organizer. A cool name. Yeah, so they actually do have allusion to him in the movie. There's a kid with like a... Uh, There's an eye patch. Uh, eye patch? That's yeah, Kid yeah. Blink. <gasps> um, that's I think cool. they reference him in the subtitles, maybe. But that's that's yeah. the Kid Blink, but he's like side character for Jack. <laughs> yeah, I guess the they're like, thing. we can't have that eye patch up here. That's really distracting. Yeah. The accent's fine. The eye patch, absolutely not too distracting. <laughs> <laughs> well, so here's the thing. Um there was a rumor spread among the newsboys in the strike that Kid Blink and David Simmons, uh, one of the other newsboys involved. Is that David, David? No, no, not him. Not no, him. David Jacobs. A different guy. This guy was okay. also a well-known amateur prize fighter. That's definitely not Jacob. Ooh, no, no. That guy's a <laughs> He hates fighting. <laughs> anyway, had betrayed the strike and agreed to <gasps> sell the boycotted papers in exchange for a bribe from the newspaper executives. Oh, no. Both boys deny the charges, but some sources note that Kid Blink wore clothes a little bit nicer than usual, indicating the possibility that he may have accepted a bribe. Oh. In response, Kid Blink and David Simmons resigned from their leadership positions. 
Simmons changing from union president to treasurer and Kid Blink becoming a walking delegate. Wow. Okay. Interesting. That night, Kid Blink was chased through the streets by a group of boys angry about the rumors that he had abandoned the strike. A, a police officer seeing the group of running boys assumed that Kid Blink was the leader and arrested him for <laughs> disorderly conduct. He was given That's a fine and let go while a group of newsboys outside the court jeered at him. That's kind of funny. <laughs> <laughs> Can't count on cops to save you, even when you betray your friends. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. So, yeah. He's scabbing, and the boys are heartbroken. They're like, what the fuck? The little boy's like, maybe it's a trick. Like, yeah. he's an idiot. And the oh. other kids are like, oh, yeah, 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 it's a trick. It's a trick. Don't worry, huh? It's a trick. Oh, oh poor Les. And that's how it stands until the Delancey brothers show up and basically start to assault Dave's sister, Sarah. And when Dave steps in, to try to rescue her, they start beating him up with fucking brass knuckles. Brass knuckles are way more deadly than people think. Yes, that can like super kill you. It can <laughs> mainly kill you because the the wielder doesn't realize that it's killing the person. Of that, uh, it's a it's so it's a regular punch, right? Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's what you're doing with it, but you're concentrating that regular punch in such a small surface area that you're actually like fucking puncturing and shit way more than you realize because it doesn't make any sense you're just punching i mean it doesn't feel delivery wise any different to you like because when you actually punch someone with your hand like it fucking hurts like that that's incentive to maybe not punch somebody to death and this braces you somewhat i mean it does you know steal you a little bit but like it will still hurt but the main thing is like the narrowing of the surface area of Mm. the force into that that's going to produce more like uh, critical damage to things versus like spread out over ow that's going to be bruises versus ow it's going to be internal fucking lacerations and shit oh i gotta get some of those for my monk character in D. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds delicious give you some bleed damage with it yeah <laughs> anyway gruesomeness aside they start beating him up and jack sees what's happening he hears them again one of the other things that makes us feel like a a bad movie set is that he's so close that he can hear that this is happening, you know? Yeah. He walked maybe 50 paces from, so he did buy the newspaper and there's this thing that's hanging over him as he goes in and everything. So he goes in and he gets the newspapers to sell and the company keeps, what do they slide him with? Cause like they, they do it like two times before he ends out on the streets. They're like, uh, 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 you raise one hand towards us and it's back to um, the refuge, you know? Yeah, they they give him a lot of shit. I don't remember what they do. I think they just make fun of him or something. Or the Delancey brothers, I think, are like being mean to him. Yeah. He's kind of bucking. He's like, fuck you guys. You know, you can tell. Right? But but Weasel, Weasel's like, eh, you step out of line a little bit, my friend. Mm-hmm. And your bitch ass is going back to the penitentiary. And so that, it's that, that's, that, I think, sets the stakes for when he goes out because there is, like, you know, it's a brief moment because it's a Disney movie. You know he's going to actually act. But, you know, he ends up there and, and he hears them, you know, with their dis- distress and everything. And, and Sarah's getting attacked and he, you know, leaps in action. Saves the day. Yeah, but it's kind of like this thing of, like, I mean, homeboy's been a bitch-ass gab hitherto for a little bit. Is he going to, you know, actually 
step up and realize, you know, are you, are you, whose side you are you be, on? Will you be a lousy scab or will you be a man? You know, like, uh, are, yeah. you, are you going to, yeah, which side are you on? Exactly. And so, yeah, he does actually step up there. But I, I think it is sort of set up in, in a little bit awkward of a way, maybe. But <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Of like, oh, it's this, this love that saves him kind of thing of like, yeah, I'm just like, it, it's okay. I don't, I, don't, I don't hate it. I just don't love it. Yeah. I, to me, it wasn't so much the love aspect of just like the indignity. It's his friend, of, too. Yeah. Like his friend, his uh, people who took him in solidarity you know and yeah and in the, you know in the disney sense yeah his love interest and everything but like <laughs> mainly it was to me it came across as like uh the company was taking his face and just yeah yeah hey, he was already you're our bitch under that pressure we made you our bitch ha 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 just to tell you again where you're our bitch go out into the field sell our papers and then you know he faced this indignity he was like actually you know what fuck you like fuck this yeah He's back on their side. They meet with Denton and he's packing up to leave to go be a fucking reporter on imperialism and probably paint it in a positive way. Go get his head blown off on the Western front. Let's be serious. <laughs> One can only hope. Yeah. Or I mean, uh, I guess this is before World War One. This so was he before. He would have got his head blown off on some American imperialist venture. I mean, like just in Panama or some bullshit. You know, we, we get a positive depiction of TR in this movie. So, like, I assume it would be fine, whatever he writes about it. <laughs> oh, yeah, true. Yeah. And, like, the way he even talks about it before, like, I stormed up the hill with Teddy Roosevelt. Like, mm-hmm. and you're proud of that? Anyway. That was, like, the year before this, like, 1898. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, they meet up with him, and they're like, what do we do? And, and he's like, well, I mean, you have all the power here. The city is actually terrified of you because they're worried that the strike is going to spread to other child laborers, who, which basically the entire city runs on at this point. You've got, you know, laundries, you've got clothing manufacturers, like so many pieces of the industry are, are run by children at this point. Yeah. Again, imagine modern day Florida or Iowa. <laughs> you know, those kinds of crazy places. <laughs> <laughs> or, by, you know, by publishing time, the rest of the contiguous United States. Who knows? It's great. That's the whole reason I'm going to have a child is so I can put him to work. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> what do they say? Uh, work makes you free. That's what they say. Yeah. Auschwitz. <laughs> you know, that's I've got that cross stitch hanging up in my bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> that's like something you would see. Like they should have had that in, um, in Get Out, like over the archway of like oh, yeah. the guest bathroom as you left. <laughs> <laughs> like honestly, I could see that being like the cover of some self-help businessy tycoon kind of book. You know, <laughs> <laughs> the freedom of work. Yeah. I bet that's a book. I bet money. That's a book. Oof. Oh well. Anyway, uh, if you want me to tell you about diseased books, I did find <laughs> a disease. This is a little off topic, but it's fine. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw a a ridiculous book uh, concept. I shouldn't say headline. The headline made me want to kind of like <laughs> look at the, the title. Made me want to look at the book and be like, oh, maybe this is cool. It was not cool. It's decidedly uncool. Okay. Uh, it sucked. Um, but the, the title of it was Money, Greed, and God, which sounds kind of good. I mean, like. That does. That could, could be, be very critical 
money, greed, and God, you wouldn't expect a, a robust defense of the first two. But that's what it was. <laughs> Saw this in my public library, and the back of the book said, The Good News About Capitalism. It's on its way out. <laughs> yeah, it said, no, no, it didn't say that. It said, Economic hardship, corporate abuses, and fraudulent practices dominate the news. It would be easy to conclude that the cause is capitalism itself, but Jay Richards reveals how entrepreneurial enterprise, based on hard work, honesty, and trust, actually fosters creativity and growth. Christians oh have long employed these spiritual resources to create oh wealth God. and alleviate poverty. Money, greed, and God exposes eight myths about capitalism, including the notion that capitalism is based on greed and the idea that if someone becomes rich, that means someone else automatically becomes poor and demonstrates that a good Christian can be a good capitalist. Wow, it's like someone wrote my nightmare book. (laughs) Like, all you have to include is like a chapter on like tornadoes like vivid descriptions of tornadoes and like that's it (laughs) (laughs) you've done it you've made the ultimate anti-christine book yeah (laughs) wow like fighting against you know in the old the ancient roman days they said the carthaginians sacrificed their children into toffets into these um unto the arms of mammon in these um child these furnaces that would basically child sacrifices to win the war sort of thing you know, and they did find bone evidence and stuff. Like, I mean, something of this nature happened. But uh, to 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 kind of <laughs> to turn around and champion them as you know the defenders of of the rights of children or something. It's, like, it's the same mm-hmm. people who are juicing society as uh, <laughs> at large, saying uh, it's just it's <sighs> it's perverse to say you know a religion that says you can either serve God or money, pick one. And then said, then to say, no, it's okay. You can have money. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's that's a, so a nasty. Religion, like I mean, you know, and and come on, like we differ on this for sure. But still, mm-hmm. a religion that says, you know, it's easier for a rich man to pass, you know, a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than a rich man to get in the kingdom of heaven, to then say, no, but like be capitalist. It's cool. That's good. <laughs> yeah, that is nuts. That's not so bad. So, so and I don't know. In the same vein, uh, just. Hey, <laughs> this guy, this war correspondent, and just eh, that, that'll probably be fine. It'll, it'll, it'll be okay. He'll, he'll probably it's, do good journalism there. <laughs> oh, for sure, for sure. And that's what they decide is the solution, which kind of made me annoyed. Their big plan is we're going to make our own newspaper. <laughs> oh, yeah. They make the, the Newsies, um, the Newsies, the Newsies banner. Yeah, Newsy Newsies banner. banner. So they get an old printing press they find it in uh weisel's basement and i'm like i'm pretty sure printing presses are loud so i guess that guy's a real heavy sleeper <laughs> yeah he was right upstairs or something right they said yeah it's downstairs like you would hear that for like that's big ass metal pieces there they were full-on you know history of typesetting style like setting mm-hmm. the type right and, i did and... like that yeah <laughs> you got to see the origin of letting which is just pieces of lead in between lines of type that's where you get the term letting yeah fun stuff like that (laughs) uh i was jealous of that that printer i was like that'd be fun to play with um (laughs) but yeah they they print out a newspaper it's just like a one page kind of leaflet thing it's a pamphlet and this is you know we want to circle it back to okay 
Um, communist movie night. Okay, teach me communism. Why are you guys talking about this show? It seems to be, <laughs> at best, labor organizing. But, my friends, they are talking about doing pamphlets. Secret book clubs, pamphlets. This is really our like first foray. Everybody's initiation into the world of leftist organizing. It's true. It's true. Think, think of it as the modern day you know, 10 slide Instagram text post that you read that kind of makes you go, huh, that's what pamphlets were, kids. <laughs> <laughs> so Instagram posts, like, to, again, go off topic a little bit. I'm sorry, I'm a little discursive today. We never do that here. <laughs> right. An Instagram post, you know, you'll swipe through it. It's, it's like, what is your approximate, you know, length? What do you think? Is it 10? Like, it's 10 like is a, the max. Oh, 10 is too much. Sort of. Well, it's literally the max they won't let you do anymore. Mm, the ten. Okay, so they cut you off at ten. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. I write a lot of ten-page comics, so. <laughs> let me explain things. So, my kids really get antsy, even if I do. So, all right. When I first started <laughs> After teaching, 10 pages? when I first started teaching, I could do like slides and tell them, uh-huh. copy the shit, and I could yeah. do like a lot. Really, I could probably do fifteen and twenty. Yeah. Uh, now I can do like 10, but I also have to give them like a fill in the blank thing. Oh, to get them to keep paying attention? To get them, yeah, to not like complain that their arm is falling off if they're a dutiful student oh or my God. that they are bored and they, they stop doing it if they're not a dutiful student. Like that's, that's the cal, I don't know the caliber, but like that's, that's kind of where they're at training wise of, of what they can handle. I bet their hands don't have as much stamina, too, because they probably don't write as much in general. Yeah. I think it's kind of a problem because it's a pretty good learning tool, but... It is. I, I learned way better when I took notes. That's interesting. I, I've had that issue, too. Like, I do comic readings, and, like, when I send the PowerPoint to people, it scares them because it's, like, 70 pages, and I have to explain, it's a comic. Sometimes those pages are just one panel. It's going to go a lot faster than you think. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> Like, don't worry. I promise I'm not going to take two hours to read this thing. Yeah. Uh, I discoursed off of something. Um, You're good. We're at a one-page pamphlet here. Oh, the Real easy. Yeah. So, yeah. Send a pamphlet. Really easy. Really digestible. Anybody could do it. Your, your regular high schoolers could do it. Your middle schoolers could do it. Anybody can do it. So, the kids go around the city throwing these in the air, distributing them. Meanwhile, Denton meets up with Governor Theodore Roosevelt. I don't mm-hmm. know why I said his name like Theodore. 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 <laughs> Theodore Roosevelt was his name when he was out seeing a show. <laughs> they call me Theodore Roosevelt. Isn't that <laughs> capital? Bully. Bully. <laughs> and he gives them, he gives him the pamphlet and is like, check this shit out. And <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, I guess they plan it at the beginning. Like, oh yeah, he knows him. So, cool. Mm-hmm. And so this pamphlet is encouraging kids to come to a youth strike. We do it. There's kids from all over the city. You see tons of different kinds of workers. There's signs that are like, you know, justice for like the garment workers and stuff like that. Uh, My favorite sign was one that said, we ain't slaves, but it was spelled ain't was A-Y-N-T and slaves was spelled like slavs. So maybe someone's just like, hey, I'm not a slav. I don't know what you think. (laughs) 
<laughs> their foreman is always out there. You fucking lousy. Like he's an anti. Like he's racist against slobs. And, they're like, and he's like, on. I'm not even slob. <laughs> right. Like, <laughs> hey, a fucked up that you're being mean That's to slobs like up. this. But I'm not also, even slob. <laughs> I get it. I have a different last name. Uh, it's okay. The point is, they're kids. They can't spell. And also, this is 1899. A lot of people can't read. So, they get in this final climactic thing, right? This is the big general strike. Yeah, yeah. The big the big old strike. Well, I don't even know if it's a strike or just like a demonstration. It is pictured as a demonstration. Yes. What they're Well, what they're trying to paint it as is a general strike. They, yeah, they don't end up in a general strike in reality. What they're trying to depict is... The widespread social sort of impact that a general strike type of event would have. Uh, in reality, the newspaper boy strike is mm, less radical. Yeah, they don't even get the price decrease they wanted. Right. For one, they have a peaceful rally at Irving Hall. So they're not broke up by the cops. Like when they had the vaudeville show and everything, they have like just, you know, people speak and stuff. And basically, afterward, that raises awareness. Lots of people are like, oh, they're fucking over the newsboys. I'm not going to buy the paper. That decreases circulation enough, and they're able to kind of keep this going long enough to where they say, okay, well, we'll give in a little bit. They kept the fee, but they said, we're not going to make you eat the paper at the end. We're not going yeah. to make you eat the cost. We'll buy back papers that you don't sell. That was the actual you know, like uh, negotiating thing that they did. I hate that. <laughs> the real story? Yeah, that's not enough. No, it's not for sure. I mean, here's the thing. I bet if they had gotten to a general strike situation, or at least a warning of that, that would have been a different story, I bet. Maybe. Or maybe they would have... Maybe not. Gone and talked to the police, and the police would have said, Beat hey, up even more children. We're not actually really that opposed to beating up children if you really want us to <laughs> we actually are pretty into it i know we made a big deal earlier about like we have to have legal cause or whatever we don't we don't we we made that up they end up having this weird meeting with pulitzer where you know dave is confronting him saying yeah your circulation is down like 70 percent or something and you're mm -hmm. wasting thousands to fight this strike which i'm like that's cool like good job you you did a good strike that's how you know you did a good strike but i just i don't i think it's very cartoonish the way it ends where he's just like they open the window and everyone's yelling he at gets him like a big stuff. bout of misophonia sort of thing of like, he's like out yeah there. he's like oh, make no. it stop yeah <laughs> yeah like he just has a breakdown yeah he's like okay fine 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 yeah i agree that was yeah it was goofy it i just I didn't think we needed it. And this movie was like very careful about when they were goofy. And that felt like a weird moment to be goofy. You know, like they, they show some serious shit in this movie. And so yeah. like it felt weird that that would be a choice. And I thought for most of the film, there were there were a few exceptions. When, when uh, Jack initially comes to the scene, I think is an exception. But really uh, beyond that. If, if you're looking at maybe personal character things of like uh, interpersonal uh, relationships and stuff, say he saves um, Sarah from the assault and things. This isn't really addressing the big conflict as much as the personal conflict. Right. So that's sort of an exception. But like a lot of times when we're talking about like the union or the, the newsies versus the industry, 
it is a pretty collective storytelling. Like there's not a lot of focus on David's the best or uh, Jack's the best or they, they are maybe sort of the focus, but it is more about how they're all teamed up together and they're all doing this fight sort of thing. I agree. I think, you know, the things that stuck out to me that way were like when they talked about, Oh, go talk to the other boroughs. Like, I think that's like such clear example of like, we have to collaborate mm-hmm. getting spot Conlon on board and him coming in to save the day, like him being so important, I think really helped. I think if he hadn't been there, it would have been more great man history. And yeah. And even in that vein, he is, you know, he's a prominent leader, but he's representative, right? He's, he's a, he brings a bunch of people with him. Yeah. He's, he's essentially standing for that whole, you know, borough coming in. Yeah, I agree. I think they do like, I think they do a good job of showing and and you kind of getting to see as the viewer, lots of kids, like you start recognizing the different kids in the background and be like, Oh yeah, there's the eye patch guy and you know, yeah. there's crutchy and whoever. And so it makes it feel like a little community. And so when they have these scenes where it is just Dave and, and Jack in the office, you feel like they are just representing people. And it's not like, look how cool these individual guys are. Right. They came up with it. Yeah. For sure. And so that's what makes it, I don't know, weird to me that whenever they come in and they're like, listen here, Mr. Pulitzer, like Dave starts rattling off the statistics in a very West Wing sort of way of just totally, totally listen here, uh, 70%, you know, (laughs) and and all this sort of like, oh, geez, well, your facts and logic mean that I have to retract my position. And it's, mm, it boils down to this. Just because they can't get all the other kids in this room, right? It doesn't make scene-wise sense, but it's just those two sort of going up into the heights and interacting with him, and then they come down from Mount Sinai with the tablets. I mean, they they just, you know, they come down having done the deed. Uh, Yeah. Well, maybe, I mean, as much as I don't like the whole, like, the crowd yelling at him, like, logically... I think symbolically it helps because it just shows like how much public pressure there is for him. Like it brings the rest of the crowd into that room in a dorky way. And I don't think it's pulled off well, but Mm -hmm. like I could kind of see what they're trying to do there. You're saying so the message maybe is there of like, look how many people are. There were two people in the room, but there were, you know, 2000 people in the room. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Okay. I could see that. Yeah, I don't like how it's executed. Like, I agree. I think it's stupid. But, like, to me, I think the actual argument, like, because I didn't, like, his stupid statistics and stuff was like, you're wasting money by fighting the strike. And I'm like, that's, they know that. Of course they know that. Yeah. Like, that's the point of being rich is that you can, again, afford to bleed money. He tried to make the point that, like, this is a good business decision for you and for us is to treat us better. (laughs) He gets a little fash. Yeah. My brother in Christ, (laughs) it is not. Like, their best business decision is to bleed you dry. Yeah. And find someone desperate enough to take your job. Like, if that's honestly what he should, he would and should do and what he does in real life. Like, he knows if he says yes to this, he's going to have to say yes to more things. And other industries are going to have to say yes to things, too. And I bet he's got his fingers in a lot of other pies. So... He knows he can't say yes to this in that, reality. And that's that's where I think that the communists, you know, communist movement that we are, go past 
you know, anything that this movie will offer you is that we will say, yeah, okay, sure. He met some short-term success by saying this, you know, okay, yeah, in the short term, in limited industry applications, strikes can be extractive within capitalism to a certain extent. And I think yes. eventually, hopefully, we'll see some of this come to fruition um, with the, you know, the sag after strikes and mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Like, I do hope that. But we do have to understand that it's still going to be within capitalism. There's still going to be a greater fight further on down the road. Is that they're ultimately not going to give up a position of authority. Like real power of life and death. They're not going to give that up. Like this is not going to be something they're just going to surrender unless dire things happen. Yeah. You can't logic and statistics your way out of capitalism. You can... You can't even really do that to to win at strike. They show it happening here, kind of. Again, I I hope that what they actually meant was to show that there's just a lot of fucking angry children out there. (laughs) You know, like, there's just so much public pressure. Yeah, I I agree. It is is a limited version of labor action. But I, I don't know. I think we're getting towards the end here, so I can go ahead and tell you what I thought about it. I think it's impressive for what it is. You know, for a kid's movie, for a Disney movie, for a movie in the 90s, you know, like pretty neoliberal time, I would say. Yeah, the ascent, the the complete dominant, like the the first half where they crushed it of neoliberalism. (laughs) Yeah, the dismantling of all our social services. But like it went while they were dancing on the corpse of the Soviet Union. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I was impressed that this exists. Yeah, that that's that's kind of my short review. I my other review is also not mad that I watched it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not because we got to have this discussion. I did mm-hmm. not really. Enjoy I'm not it planning myself. on rewatching it. But no, I, I think that's a good. So I, maybe I am transposing too much of the post world on this. Broadly speaking, I liked it. Uh, do we want to get into the kind of the conclusions of the movie? I guess. Yeah. We'll yeah. <laughs> Let's do that. Real quick here. The boys are all released from the refuge. Uh, Snyder is arrested. Apparently Denton gave Roosevelt a hot tip that, hey, this this boy's home is super corrupt. So yeah. he, he's doing job. Comet Pizza, but it's actually like he's literally like child abuse, not, actually, not just <laughs> yeah. a fictional thing. <laughs> yes, like that's a real one. Jack gets to take a ride with Roosevelt. <laughs> and it's... It's really weird. I have a lot of, like, commentary about this. So, like, first off. Let's get into it. Do it. Roosevelt, it does not get any lines. No. He gets one line, and it's said when his back is turned to the camera. And so, like, that's definitely dubbed in. That guy did not get a SAG card. He's like, damn, you know, these these poor children, (laughs) they're being abused. Yeah, something like that. Like, that's it. He gets one line of, like, oh, my gosh. Like, that's it. (laughs) So I will defend the movie in this sense is that that's kind of good. Like, so there's different tiers, obviously. If you're doing George Washington, Abraham Lincoln, FDR, and then there's your next tier of considered badass presidents. Uh, Roosevelt, you know, Teddy Roosevelt is kind of a badass president. He's obviously on the lower tiers, but like. He's on Rushmore. He's on Rushmore, but that's sort of because, like, he signed into law, like, the National Park stuff, and, like, that's, he ends up being 
Okay, like he's he made the national park. He's got to be in there. Sort of thing. <laughs> it was, it was in his time. Sponsored by. Yeah, but I mean, he he's up. He's kind of up there in the tiers of things. Like it is sort of an almost venerated status. So like, when you're doing your regular ass voice actor of somebody who you're not trying to give a lot of lines, it does kind of make sense to disguise it and just be like, oh yeah, here he was. Like you, you know, he didn't he didn't mm-hmm. say much. <laughs> Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying. You know, mm-hmm. like he's such a big figure, you don't want to spend too much time on him. He's like Santa Claus, sort of. You film him from behind. <laughs> he like, totally oh, is, oh, though. Oh, look, like look all here. the children are like so psyched to see him. He's driving this like open yeah. car, you know, like the, with the top down. It's very Santa vibes. Mm-hmm. He's, he's Father <laughs> Christmas coming in and helping. Everybody. Yeah. So so Jack takes a ride with him, and it's really funny because. He's like, he'll take you anywhere you want. He's like, even the train station? He's like, yeah, even the train station. And so they go, and like all the kids are sad. They're like, oh, he's going to Santa Fe. And then he just comes right back. <laughs> yeah, no, his, his girlfriend and his new, his future brother-in-law and everybody, mm-hmm. they're all like, oh, he left us. Oh. And then like immediately turns around. <laughs> like, how far did they get where he's like, just kidding, I want to go back. Well... He was talking to Teddy, and yeah. Teddy said, my boy, <laughs> do you really think it's a capital idea to just take off across the country <laughs> like that? I don't know. He's quite the imperialist. you think he'd be all about conquering the West. Go West, young man. Well, hey, uh, conquering, uh, you think I really got to, you know, do all that? Uh, conquering. Sounds like a lot of work. Yeah, I was thinking more like, you know, lay my head back uh, on a pillow or something, you know, maybe in Santa Fe. Like, maybe Santa Fe, like that's it. full of Mexicans. You don't want to go there. <laughs> you know? I've killed so many people <laughs> that are that color. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you about oh. San Juan Hill. And it's just, it's like, okay, you know what? On second he just thought, calls the Mexicans, even if they're clearly not. <laughs> I've killed so many right. Mexicans in Cuba. Like, sorry, what was that? <laughs> How did you do that? Uh, oh, yeah, it's, it's just really funny the way they frame this. Like, you know, he, he comes back around. They're so excited he's back. And he's like, yeah, I had a chat over here with him. And he said, my work, he is not quite done. And there's this really weird shot of Roosevelt just silently, like, nodding and smiling. Like, uh-huh. Mm. Like, that was me. <laughs> just cracked he's me like, up. He's like, well, you said you had a girl here. And, uh, I mean, come on. She sounds fine to me. Yeah. <laughs> Better get on that. Oh, it's just, I don't know. I really love that Roosevelt is treated like such a, like a magical fairy or something of just like, he's so mysterious. Oh, yeah. He has this, I mean, you, I think that we were in jest, but like a Father Christmas sort of Very much. Style. He just kind of comes in and waves. I mean, like even to backtrack, his interaction with uh, Denton and everything is very mm-hmm. much just like, you know, bring it to Save the Papa, children. And he's going to he's going to help things. Like, I mean, yeah, like shutting down the, the orphanage or whatever. Mm-hmm. Or the, yeah, like that was very much a wave the magic wand situation. Yeah. And I do like that he does not solve the strike issue. Yes, I was worried, like, when that scene of Denton going to him, like, are they going to get... Are they going to have him come in and be like, no. <laughs> or, like, he's going to give a speech or something, like, oh, fucking gag Can't me. Capital and labor work together, you know. 
I'm glad I'm glad he was downplayed as much as he was, honestly. It was just really funny to me that like this guy clearly did not get a speaking role. <laughs> Maybe his voice I imagine his voice was like he looks dead on like Roosevelt, but his voice is like, Hey, I'm I'm Roosevelt. Like To be honest, that probably would have been good for Roosevelt. Roosevelt was apparently and Lincoln was apparently kinda shrill. Both of them. Oh. Uh, they were a little yeah, high pitched um That's funny. Voices. So this is just going on current, you know, contemporaneous accounts of them, basically. But yeah, that's hilarious. I love that. So he was probably <laughs> someone who talked like this, you know, this sort mm-hmm. of, uh, that sort of voice. <laughs> oh, man. Anyway, that's pretty much it. End of movie. My review. OK, what are we doing? Five, f- five stars. Is that our metric? We change it all the time. We typically do five stars. I will give it a three. Three stars. Um, and I didn't like the songs. It was funny, but not good, I think, for the film. But funny to see good. people talk about, like, uh, not talk about, but talk in their accents. That was funny. <laughs> but, like, the it outweighed, like, the funniness, the shittiness. I think it... You know, <laughs> it, it struggled on that yeah. scale. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll give it yeah. a three. Because it did, I think it did have a good collective storytelling mechanism that's true that's something we're always looking for in communist movie night yeah i mean like jack he was you know maybe the main guy and david like had an outsized role sort of but like again when jack turns scab david's like not saying guys okay come on come on we can't punch him in the face he just jumps right and he's like fuck this guy and just Mm -hmm. starts you know he's he's want he wants to wail on him like he does lose his liberalism like there is this narrative of a good intentioned you know laws based law and order liberalism that gives way in the course of the worker struggle to what you can only characterize as workers democracy I mean like of some sort of people should have more of a say people should be at the baseline people should supersede law and order in terms of what is right for people like what is right for the working class is more important than what is right that's written in the book, I think is what we can get to the crux of the thing. Yeah, yeah. And I think this movie, I, I think, again, because it is set in the Gilded Age, does such a good job of, like, showing the corruption of the police and how they work with, you know, the media and how the media works with the government and, like, how entangled all that is. And, like, I think it can get away with, like, showing them as cartoonishly evil as they are because it is set in this time where we acknowledge that that was such a big problem. Mm -hmm. But it's, it is like, if you watch it with the knowledge that like this shit still goes on, then it's even more interesting. Yeah. You're pretending, Oh, that was then, but how is it? It's like any work of fiction. How is it different than now? You know? Man. Okay. I was going to give it a two. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Here's the thing. The reason I was going to give it a two, I was really disappointed in the music because I was really looking forward to having a new musical to download on my musical playlists. And you listen to it and are like, no, nope, I ain't downloading that shit. No, I haven't. I haven't even looked it up on Spotify. I have no desire to listen to it again. It's because it wasn't very good. It wasn't very good. (laughs) And it's like Alan Menken. Like he's a he's a classic Disney songwriter. Like he does good songs usually. Is this the high school musical guy? No, uh, that's the director. Um, what's his name? Ortega. 
He also directed a lot of Little Gilmore Mermaid, Girls. Beauty and Beast, Aladdin, yeah, Pocahontas. Yeah. He basically did any oh Disney song God. that you like is you know you loved in the '90s. That was Alan Menken. <laughs> Holy shit! Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> so I have big expectations Hercules, going on here. Hercules, Hercules. Yeah, I think the disappointment factor was very large for me. I was like, damn, I really was excited to add this to the rotation. So that took a lot of the wind out of my sails when I first, like, the first song. I was like, hmm, that just wasn't very good. And, like, (laughs) kept going. Like, you can see in my notes, like, I just keep saying, oh, not a banger. (laughs) (laughs) So that, and the accents, too, just that that definitely took took at least a star off for me. Yeah, that was not a good choice. So, I mean, yeah, I think I'm going to stick with the two because I'm so affected by those things. Yeah. So, yeah, because the music took off two stars and the the accent is another star. Yeah. <laughs> but I, I guess, you know, for me, a three and up implies that I might. Four and up, I will definitely rewatch it. Three is like I would recommend it. And I don't know if I would recommend it. It's a slog, I guess. I would say that. I uh, mainly appreciated the the focus well and i would also sort of levy this with criticism too because i do appreciate the angle that it takes towards you know collective storytelling and the and the you know the focus on the strike but it doesn't re uh, the the strike is still sort of singularly organized on and focused on just the main players it doesn't really branch out and say, here's what it looks like for all the different people that are involved in it, right? Or, or here's what it looks like beyond the main characters, really. We don't spend a lot of time. For example, a comparison of um, Salt of the Earth, where they spend a lot of time like looking at the picket lines and, not, and, and in scenes where you can't tell who the leader is and stuff like where it's just like, it's the workers, like this is them. Uh-huh. Yeah, Potemkin did that too a lot, where just big crowd scenes were were really, like, you could tell there was action going on, but there wasn't, like, a main person doing it. Right, it's the people. And so, like, to me, that's why I want to watch Potemkin, because you've talked about this, is like, uh, that's that's kind of where it uh, breaks from the American mold of, here's, here's the hero doing the thing, and then you must, your mind must do the work of transposing from this hero to the working class whereas there there is a medium where you can say here these people this group or whatever represent the working class and and that that's what you can build your visual around i guess i would have loved to seen exploring some of those like kind of throwaway statements they have about oh uh, you know i'm going to be back out on the streets or you know i'm barely feeding myself like can we show the strike fund which they mentioned a strike fund very briefly mm-hmm. uh they asked for a donation from somebody uh that snyder guy or whatever but what if we you know had more scenes with the other boys and showing how they're supporting each other throughout this strike and like sharing food and you know using the strike fund to allocate like funds for people like i think that would be interesting like fucking cut out one of the many ballet numbers here <laughs> yeah (laughs) and show me more of that yeah and also you know a recurring thing theme on our show something i like to harken back to at least is you know show these kids who what what were they doing before they were sleeping in the arms of horace greeley in this in the statue on the street you know and showing them coming back and maybe coming back to you know the kids uh you know they have a little bonfire or they they're you know shooting dice by horace greeley or whatever they're doing 
But like, show them coming back fucking happy. Like, show them coming back fucking excited because they've just been spreading pamphlets because they've just been spreading the word because they've just been oh the joy of work things. or the joy yeah. of the struggle because they've just yeah. been doing it you know they've just, they've just been in it and building their future their own future you know and, and 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 for such a group of like unempowered people at this time like one thing that struck me was when they're handing out pamphlets they asked everyone like can you read everyone they held out can you read yeah and i think Having these kids like feel empowered like that had to be like the first time they had ever felt that way, especially like given the way like kids were kind of treated back then. They're treated like little adults, but little adults oh, you shit on basically. I mean, like, come on, <laughs> our own lifetime and we can like, you know, one generation before we can be like, you know, kids should have been whapped upside the head for half the shit mm-hmm. they did, you know? Yeah, like these are kids that are like constantly just mistreated and like they they show that in like the the boys home and stuff like that like the the owner is corrupt and doesn't give them the good food and things like that but yeah i think it would have been meaningful to have more scenes with the the rest of the boys instead of just having them be like just very much background guys which i, I mean they did a little bit of that with crutchy but not quite enough no uh crutchy was played too much for his accent i mean he was really one of he the, was one of the offenders of Oh, oh my yeah, god, yeah. Oh, yo, oh come on, uh, you know. <laughs> he was so nasally, it's ridiculous. <laughs> Ugh. So yeah, I I liked it again. Not mad that I watched it. Surprisingly more meat on the bones than I thought there was gonna be. Like I even had you test this out before I watched it. I was like, maybe this is gonna suck. I need you to take a run at it first. <laughs> I, I tried to be very generous in my watch. I'm glad I did. I don't know. I th- I warmed up to it more than thought. I did too. I did too. Not the music because that so fucking sucked. But listeners, if the stage play is good, let me know. I will watch it. Yeah, because I really that's what I was like. I hope you like it more than I do, sort of thing. <laughs> charitable uh, rating of it of like, oh, that was that that was a sort of a slog to watch. But. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Uh, if I get bored enough, I might check out the musical. If I get a listener email telling me it's worth it, then I'll definitely check out the Yo, musical. This musical slaps. It's fucking, it's the cool fucking shit. best. Top of my playlist at karaoke. Gotta do it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if I'm totally wrong on that, feel free to correct me. I, I welcome a new musical on the docket. Okay. Next week we're shooting the shit. So join us there, guys. And girls and gender nonconformers. There will be plenty of shit. It will be shot. All right. See you then. Bye. Hey there, comrades. Just jumping in to remind you of all of our social media. We are on Twitter at Teach Communism, Instagram at Teach Me Communism. You can shoot us an email. That's teachmecommunism at gmail.com. Any of those places are good to send us an episode suggestion or a question, anything you think would be useful feedback for us or just your admiration. If you want to admire us in a public manner, and you should, you can go to Apple Podcasts to give us a review. It is the best way to help people find the show. Love when people write and review us. Please do both. We are also on YouTube if that's how you prefer to listen to podcasts, or if you know someone that's the only way they'll listen to podcasts, send them to our page. And we have a Patreon. For five bucks a month, you get access to our notes for each week's episode, including the backlog of notes, which is a very handy resource for up-and-coming commies. 
And at the end of the year, all of the funds from Patreon will be given to local mutual aid in the DFW area. So ain't going to line our pockets. Finally, we have merch. Check us out at Tee Public. You can find shirts and I believe also stickers and magnets and all kinds of fun stuff with catchphrases from the show or episode art, stuff like that. The link to that store is in the show notes. So check that out. Okay, that's all the internet. Join us next time for another episode of Teach Me Communism, where the class struggle is always in session. Bye, y'all.